Open it over here. Whoa. Is that your your radio voice? <laughs> Yo, we talking in or Mama always said, said K- I had a voice for radio. You're listening to KFBR. <laughs> this is your host. What's KFBR? I don't know. It's the first, actually, I know what that is. is the first four letters of the license plate that McGruber is looking for <laughs> throughout the entire movie. It's like somebody sideswipes him or something. I forget. And he immediately looks at the license plate. And he's like, KFBR 392, KFBR 392. And he like commits that license plate to memory, and it's a joke that comes back you know, at the end of the movie. Nice. I yeah. wish I had something like that. I used to make radio intro, like fake radio intros like that, but I can't remember what it, I would use like real ones. <laughs> like this is Spirit 1053. It's like the Christian channel. I know, right? Positive, encouraging. Cable. Radio's not what it used to be, I'll tell you that much. No. You took a Red Bull? <laughs> the night is young, baby. Just had a yeah. bang on the way over. Yeah. <laughs> A I what? am ringing. Oh, you mean the drink. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bang on the way out. Oh, my God. had a bang, mate. I was like, wait, what? Well, had a, a right fluffer, mate. <laughs> you taking a piece? <laughs> you know, bangs are like I three. I up the Bugatti. <laughs> <laughs> have a pop down, have a couple of pints of the lads. At the local up, pub. Finish up at the Fortress of Dreams. <laughs> what is that? Uh-oh. What is that? Oh, it's, like a a it's a great uh, TikTok. Oh man! I gotta send you guys. I don't spend enough time on TikTok. I don't spend any, but I was sent it. So Cassian, we'll start with uh, Bryce's impression of Luthen. Cassian Ender. Well, that's be you too. <laughs> you'll have you'll have a a Luthen off. No, I can't do a Luthen. You guys, you we're, both we're, we're getting Luth. My Luthen's like if Luthen <laughs> lived another twenty years as a you know compulsive smoker. Uh, Cassian. Cassian Ender. Cassian Ender. I can't imagine the six longer than three hours. <laughs> Doing. I mean, that's true. But minute I by also minute. can't imagine it goes longer than. This would have been a great show for what we did with Mando, which is like talk about Ooh, each episode. episode yeah. But we couldn't have known how. Oh, yeah. The, and also, we weren't like together like yeah, we were. Oh, and Steven, you know. I genuinely don't know where to start with this. Let's start at the beginning. A very good place. 1970s, George Lucas just made American oh, Graffiti. Man. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. I'm kidding. Oh, man. Time to walk out. Well, uh, I just <laughs> no. want to thank you guys for having me on. <laughs> Star Wars is back. Hey, Let's you're say welcome. That. Can you're we welcome. just celebrate this moment? I'm glad to be back. I feel like until this moment. I, I, I'm speaking as Star Wars. <laughs> as Star Wars, it's good to have you back. <laughs> you don't sound like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> you're taller than uh, I. You're uh, taller than well, I thought. Glad, we're glad to have you back. <laughs> I am Star Wars, Star Wars, and I am back. <laughs> We've done a few Star Wars casts, much really... like the Empire. Yeah, <laughs> we. You Stop. mean we, the three of us, or we as the podcast? Uh, yeah, both. Yeah, I, that's I true. feel like. Well, so we did like we did a Rise of Skywalker podcast, which yeah. we live in infamy. We what did all hail. <laughs> Shut the front. Somehow door. the Emperor returned. So we also did a Mandalorian podcast, which we, we did eight podcasts. We did yeah. that in a unique format where we had like a video cast per episode because we were very excited about it. A lot of cool Star Wars content on the horizon season as a few two. years ago. Season two, Mandalorian. Skip forward into late 2022. We've had several Star Wars shows on yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah. Bryce was also there for the Bad Batch. Oh yeah, we've had Bad yeah. Batch. Did you guys do a Boba a Boba cast? No. Yes. Yes. We did it where it was basically me just talking about oh, how awful that, it was. I think you were in Georgia. And egregious, though. and you were in Georgia that at the time. That was bad. That was a really bad show. It was really bad. It might I be the worst thing I've ever seen. I tried to make it 
I tried so hard. Obi Wan is up there too. Oh my gosh! Really quick, sorry. That was the thing I wanted to talk about. on our cult podcast episode on episode two hundred, I wanted to briefly shout out that I re-edited all of the Book of Boba Fett into a three and a half hour film. What do you call it, Steve? The Boba Cut. (laughs) (laughs) What two T's? Um, the Boba Cut. It exists. Congrats on two hundred episodes. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. That's pretty. Freaking insane! It like, is to really... be honest. Like I'm sure you guys talked a little about this, but like we actually didn't. How, I mean, <laughs> is that not insane that like you guys started this just like for fun and it's still just for fun? And but you, <laughs> but you, but you have done 200 episodes. It's like, still not profitable. But this... <laughs> we're taking time away from our Most families. People, like I couldn't commit to that. Most people couldn't do that. Mm. That's true. Most, in fact, many better podcasts haven't made it this far. That's, that's true, true. <laughs> that's true they're like oh we don't have a thousand followers we're giving up we don't even have 10 <laughs> so anyway that's not true we have more than 10 i think but no no i wanted oh, to I say that i re-edited all of the book of boba fett into a three and a half hour film with a tiny little uh mandalorian addendum that told his story separately and i think it's really good it and is I, good and i think i mean i mean it's good in the sense of like I tried to save the core of maybe who Boba Fett was for people when they imagined who he could have been after episode five and six. Yeah. And I tried to save that energy and then put that into the cut so that if people feel the need to watch through all the Mandalorian story and they have to go through the Boba Fett story because that's part which, of it. Which unfortunately is part do. of it. Yeah. That, yeah. that really sucks. <laughs> you do. Then you can watch this if you <laughs> yeah. ever wanted to revisit that. So anyway, that's in that's, short. Yeah. Steven saves Star Wars. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just, I, I simply wanted to, uh, I, I was honestly for myself because I was like, at some point I'm going to want to rewatch all the Mandalorian. Yeah. And I don't want to watch the book of Boba Fett again because no. it, it was awful. So I fixed it. I fixed it. Well, congrats. Real quick, if you do want to see that listener, you can DM the Colt Popcast on Instagram and we'll get you a link. That's true. There you go. So let's talk about Andor. Yeah, let's talk about Obi Wan Kenobi came out. Andor baby. <clears throat> and and uh, <laughs> the book of Obi Wan. But time has passed since then. This blew it out of the water. <laughs> There's never been anything like Andor from Star Wars. No. No, quite literally never. I mean, I think that's a really big, I guess something we'll bring up a lot throughout this, that, like, it is not like other Star Wars stuff, and mostly in how good it is. <laughs> what makes a thing good, Bryce? Hmm. Why, why the did The presence we... of Diego Luna, usually, <laughs> for one. <laughs> it was um, Diego Luna for me. Diego Luna's pretty unknown, apart from... The Star yeah. Wars franchise, right? Like that's like his that's his big thing. I mean, he was in like E2 Mama Tambien. Yeah. Um Was he? Yeah. Along with um He was the Mama. <laughs> the dude the dude who played Werewolf by Night. Um Gael Garcia Bernal. Yeah. Okay. He was part of Narcos. Was he? Oh that's Oh Diego Luna is also in Narcos. That, yeah. See, I never watched Narcos. So I didn't I, see that either. Yeah, so I, I missed that one. Sorry, Diego. Sorry, Diego. I honestly do feel sorry. Big like, fan, but sorry. Like, I didn't I, watch, he's I didn't so watch. charming. Like, yeah. I want to, like, if I ever met him, like, I'd want him to know that, like, I've supported Did him. you hear his, his whole thing about R2-D2? Arturito. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember what he said. What did he say? Um, they call, in, in Mexico, they call, in, in Spanish, I guess, like, the Spanish versions of Star Wars R2-D2, 
isn't called like Eridos Dedos. Yeah. It's Archerito, like Little Arthur. <laughs> Ar- oh, like Little Arthur. Arthur. That's like a, that's Arturito. Adorable. I love yeah. that. Arturito. That's beautiful. So he said it up until when he was like very old, like he thought R2D2 was What's named, named Arthur? Little, little Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> little Arthur. Super good. Should we maybe start with like, what Who's is Andor? Yet? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. like, who's in it? In terms of like a discussion about this show, yeah, we should what probably is, briefly yeah. mention like what it is. Sure. So, Stephen, what's Andor? What? When is Andor? It, who is Andor? Uh, Why? The only thing that I know about Andor is he was in Rogue One. No, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. He was. First introduced in, I think, yeah. Rogue One. Oh, yeah. So, on a very basic level, this is a prequel to Rogue One. <laughs> the pre- prequel. Which <laughs> is a prequel <laughs> to the first ever Star Wars. Star Wars Episode Four: <laughs> A New Hope. The first one. The yeah. first one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it is written and or as a show is creatively helmed by the writer for Rogue One, not the director. But the writer... Well, he, he did direct a lot of the reshoots. That's right. He did do that. Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. Tony Gilroy yeah. is his name, who is known for some other work like uh, Michael Clayton, stuff Michael like Clayton, that. A lot of espionage um, what else? thrillers. Uh, some of the Bourne films, right? No? I think he did have a hand in... Didn't he like, do something with those? Bourne, I don't know. Was it Bourne Legacy? I wonder if he's going to be as desired as Dave Filoni now for, for having such success with Andor. You know what I mean? Is Dave Filoni desired? Well, I mean, as far as like creating content, like John Favreau, Dave Filoni, like are pretty. You mean just for Star Wars? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I wonder. I don't. I honestly like like listening to like interviews and stuff he's done. I kind of don't think he would want to do more. Yeah, yeah. Because this was originally supposed to be five seasons. Oh. Because it, it takes place over five years. The the two seasons do. Did and they cut it down after the bad reception of the other content? No, they just after filming it. Oh. Um, they decided. It well, they just—it was really—it was a lot, you know. It was—it was really taxing to. Oh, I think I did read that. that much. Tony Diego and everyone was like, "I'd rather not spend ten years working on." Yeah, Star yeah, Wars. But yeah. That was the quote. Yeah. Oh. Because essentially, that's what it is. It's a one or two, one to two year production cycle yeah. for an HBO quality production. Yeah, yeah. And it is HBO quality. It's it's really unique, especially with even in the formatting of how we've received Star Wars shows so far. Like Mandalorian has had eight episodes. Obi-Wan was six. Boba Fett was seven, I think. This is 12. And it was leading up to this, we should say that like uh, Cassie Andor, who was really cool in Rogue One, he wasn't like a desired character to center a whole television show, specifically though a 12 episode television show with a season two that is also 12 episodes yeah. when that was announced it was like what uh but yeah, now that like we who have, asked for this yeah now yeah. that we have it it's like the best thing star wars has ever done yeah and maybe even since sliced bread i don't know maybe we should <laughs> talk about we'll talk about why well we still haven't really described the story do you want to hit on that at all no okay you yeah. you, you, you do it we can, you, you can do you it you want me i don't so, want to do it well, Bryce knows Star Wars better than I. <sighs> we can we can tag know, team it. We can tag team it. Yeah. So well, just just in, in right. not so many words. So here's the story <laughs> of Andor. Andor takes place when Bryce. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know the exact year, but it's <gasps> I think it's like five years. I think it's yeah, that's right. Five years before um, the original trilogy. Before yeah, 
roughly four, the first five one. years before the Battle of Yavin, you could say. Uh, yes, Yavin, Yavin, Yavin would Yavin. be how you That's say what that. I said. We'll yeah. cut that out. Um, no, you <laughs> <laughs> oh, speak a different dialect. It's fine. Yeah. I'm um, Yavin. <laughs> Swedish. And you're from Northern California. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, but yeah, so... Ben. What is Andor up to when we meet him in Andor? Oh, what is Andor up to? That's this right. Is, this is the interim between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. So we're looking at that roughly 20-year period of the rise and the... The rise of the Empire. Uh, the rise of the Empire yes. and kind of its tenure as this the controlling... Dark times, as it's colloquially yeah, known. This, this massive... Before the bureaucratic dies. entity that dominates the universe. Yes. And, and so we pick up, this is, Andor is essentially the story, I guess you could say, of the beginning of the rebellion. Yeah. Of the rebel alliance. Yeah. Um, and so where is Andor when we first meet him? He's uh, he's basically like a, kind of like a crook, a thief. That's, um, a good, that's a good way to describe it. He's uh, not necessarily, he's kind of painted as like this, anti-hero kind of guy from the get-go i guess mm-hmm. um just at least in the early episodes he lives on this planet called ferrix uh with his mom it's like a backwater adoptive slum. mother um yeah it's a backwater like industrial place and uh he doesn't really believe in much he's kind of you know been running around his whole life he's been burned and he's been burned quite a lot um even his childhood which we come to see yeah. in a flashback he was Part, like part of a group of orphan children on I think another planet uh-huh. from a industrial site of the Empire uh-huh. that went defunct and I think all the older adults were killed because of uh-huh. uh, what might have been some kind of industrial accident. The adult killings at that time. Yeah, and that's where he comes to meet his adoptive parents. They take him to Ferrix after that and raise him. Mm-hmm. And that's where he comes to be this person. Yeah, so basically the... The, how the the story goes without spoiling anything and going into too much detail, it's like the the radicalization of Cassian. Mm-hmm. It's it's his. Uh, I think I think Tony Gilroy described it as the education of Cassian Andor is what the first season is, and presumably the second season is more of the the start of the rebellion. But yeah, but this is this is, yeah we see we see a man go from like being complacent totally apolitical to having these like foundational moments and meeting these people throughout his journeys that show him that there's there's good in this world mr frodo and it's worth fighting for (laughs) true as a cause yeah that's really well put one of the things i would add is that andor is largely political show yep so much yes exactly so much so that <laughs> no, not to say the so much so that um it it's a lot of talking and kind of surmising of like ideologies and mm-hmm. philosophies about uh political agendas yeah in like a very intellectual and intelligent way and so while it's not as bombastic as Star Wars things we've seen in the past, it's more intelligent and engaging from, especially like um, like an adult political thriller kind of way. And that's kind of how I think most people have caught on to it is because where Star Wars in the past, even recent Star Wars, has pandered to uh, the adult audience and or subverses all of that pandering and 
most of the response from the fans have been like overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. and like there's been like a unanimous cry out of thankfulness toward uh, the creator the helmer tony gilroy and the magnificent work that he has provided for us to behold so thank you tony yeah it's it's been really awesome to watch and i mean that in the most literal sense of awesome like it, everyone has awe. been in awe watching it because going through it week by week for 12 weeks uh, well maybe nine, nine weeks nine, because yeah. the first came out in like three episodes but um going through it for nine weeks people have just been heavily anticipating what's going to happen next wondering if we're going to get any cameos which we really didn't which is super awesome by the way because it didn't it didn't rely where's luke skywalker it didn't rely on anything like flashy and i mean that also in the literal sense like lightsabers uh, or jedis it also didn't even bring in it didn't bring in yeah vader or or palpatine which it easily could have in the political only in one mention in the room where Mm -hmm. uh where where uh mon mothma is most of the time um the senate it also didn't rely on other characters that even were tertiary that nobody really seems to think about like k2so who was in rogue one and a companion to andor in that movie that character wasn't even introduced Mm -hmm. um this show introduced brand new characters and forced you to care about them almost instantly as like a good show does yes like a good not like a star wars show does (laughs) i wasn't coerced or forced i was i was Enticed, enticed <laughs> to, to to yeah to follow along this this drama. Yes, it's I mean yeah to your point to like to summarize that it's like it's wholly unaware that it's like in Star Wars. Yeah, you know it's like exactly n- well, nobody that, in yeah. the show, nobody making the show. It, it doesn't seem like they're trying to scream at you like like by the way, this is Star Wars, <laughs> and, and that we're is just making a show that happens to be in star wars it's like blade runner in star wars (laughs) and that but there's also like familiar hallmarks of the Uh star wars mythos and the the world but not not so familiar that they take you out of it exactly they're familiar in a way that they make it more believable yeah it's just there to fill out the setting and the world building but this is still a very grounded story just placed in star wars and the stormtroopers are actually competent and can like hit things with their blasters yes well, i mean and they're just to, to talk about that let's talk let's talk about just the the empire the structure of the empire oh man and this like the empire you know in all other star wars stuff we see like the we see all of it yeah. you know we see like the biggest battles the biggest ships and like the most stormtroopers i don't even think we see stormtroopers in this one until like episode like seven yeah i'm pretty sure yeah or, 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 it's pretty far in maybe it's earlier but and even but, in the last episode, they're not even used. Like, like they're called upon to like they're right be, be reinforcement, yeah. and yeah. they're like, "Nah, we're chill, we're chill." Yeah, yeah. Um, There's always a face to the empire now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you said before, it was always so much larger than life. It was almost like, it, well, it was two dimensional, and it was always like almost a caricature of something. Because you know George Lucas was using this right. He used the the Nazi Germany, right? As, yeah, as yeah. Uh, historical context. Oh. But uh. now, in the SS, right, we're the stormtroopers, but now we have a very nuanced and layered look to the Empire and all its bureaucracy on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. Like, you see the lower level, like, 
you see the ground workers, you see the management guys. You even see the lowest of the low, the the parts of the galaxy that they like contract out to to corporations exactly. to where they have like corporate security instead of imperial security. Yeah, and then you get the the relationship between those guys. And every character in this show has their own story mm-hmm. too. Even those little corporate henchmen, they come back around. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. The the one thing too, as the story built upon itself and the characters, in a very nuanced way, developed but only slightly. Like you were saying earlier, like Andor becomes a little bit more engaged from being apolitical. But the, what's the one characters who look like Kyle MacLachlan? Cyril Karn. So Karn, he, you're his, talking about the the Nazi the, guy who like yeah ends up at his mom's house yeah, for like yeah. six episodes. <laughs> I guess he's uh, not. I mean. He, Kind of he, just, he probably could be a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's like this devout kind of loyalist kind of character. Well, he's a very fascinating character, and he, that's that's why I'm bringing him up. Is yeah, because yeah. in the end, in in the last episode, episode twelve, I was thinking, okay, they're going to introduce something familiar from Star Wars, or have some sort of engaging like Big Bang moment that yeah. that really astounds Star yeah. Wars characters. But what it did really, really well was it played on all the cards it had laid out throughout the previous 11 episodes to where they're all kind of in the same uh, vicinity of each other physically. Yeah. And a crazy, stupid love sort of way. In the same space. And they're all running around sort of like passing each other. And they all, every character has uh, motives and subversive motives that you know about as the audience but a lot of the characters that are interacting with those characters don't really understand what, like why the character may be doing a certain thing. So the whole time I'm watching episode 12, which is the finale uh, episode of the season, I'm super stressed mm-hmm. because I'm so engaged because I know what's going on. Cause I've watched all the previous 11 episodes because this episode truly built upon everything that had come before it. And in the most intelligent way so that when all the stuff starts going down and the characters start acting either selfishly or loyally to the the party that they're aligned to. It becomes extremely engaging and mm-hmm. noticeably unlike anything we've ever seen in Star Wars before because it's so clearly smart. And it wasn't in a bombastic way like where Darth Vader comes out and bows his knee before Palpatine. It's like you don't know what's going to happen next. And the suspense that's built from that anticipation of not knowing what's going to happen to, again, these characters that you grow to love because of the great storytelling is just is next level. It's it's unlike anything we've ever seen before. Like, and and people are calling it the best thing in Star Wars since like episode five or six, you know, Mm -hmm. the best thing we've ever gotten since the original trilogy, which is, I think that's an easy call. Yeah. I mean, so crazy. I would even even say it's, 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 it's the best written Star Wars thing, like better than the original trilogy writing wise. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, those aren't necessarily known for being yeah. super well written. <laughs> sure. I mean, sure. no um, I mean, you 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 don't uh, like Han Solo's one liners. Yeah, you know, different different scales, yeah, yeah. right? But no, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, but yeah, on on that the finale episode, I really I really enjoyed the, I I enjoyed the the um all the arcs in the show. How like you had you had. A beginning of every arc is kind of structured like first three episodes were a story, second three were a story, third three were a story, 
kind of, and then like the last three were more or less a story. Uh, the, you know, they, they 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 mix and match in there, but the last arc it builds so perfectly to this like final culmination of like everybody meeting in the same place, and I, I thought that was so cool. I was a little bit let down with the finale just because mm. I didn't think everybody had enough to do. I think there there were a lot of characters in the mess of the the climax there that didn't really have they were just kind of standing around watching the chaos which i guess is is something for them to do but mm-hmm. i i do wish it it was a little bit more climactic mm. it was still still a great finale but yeah i just thought there were some characters that i wish yeah they had had i i'm i'm sure they'll have an arc yeah you know yeah. It, going into <laughs> sure. the second season but sure. um like cyril for example i i just don't really see I don't see. I don't know exactly where he is right now, which I guess is right. part of it. I don't know where uh, the two uh, rebel girls are, Val and Cinta. <laughs> I don't know what what's going on with their relationship, their motivations for sure. being on Ferrix at that time. Like, and even in in, in Luthen, like I knew what he was doing there, but what? What's his overall? Move? What's his overall yeah, yeah. move? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I thought that could have been. I don't know. I don't know what I would have wanted it to be. I, I but. think I think that's why I liked it. Yeah. Because because like, I'm always looking to the finales to like really wow me. Like Boba Fett riding a Rancor, or like uh, totally. <laughs> Vader and you know, or Obi Wan finally de- defeating. You mean Vader like again. literally the most epic thing I've ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fact that it was anticlimactic, to your point, I'm agreeing with you, is the reason that I liked it because. Mm-hmm. It was subversive in its storytelling, and it's it's like well, yeah. it's end capping. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say it. What I was talking about before, how like these arcs would would kind of swell and like build with the tension. It was. I thought it was building up to more mm. because that was clear. That was leading I also up to thought the climax. It was. I also the, thought it was. the the funeral procession yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, that was like the most tense part of the entire yeah. show, like yeah. by far for me. Yeah, thinking that like. The results of that would be a lot more like catastrophic. Yeah, um, for sure. So I think the show set sort of sort of an expectation that wasn't necessarily met for me at the end. But mm-hmm. especially with the closing of the other arcs, I mean, like the end of episode six with uh, what do they call it in Scotland? Aldani. Yeah. <laughs> what do they call that light show? The eye. The eye, and then we had oh, the prison break cool. in eight and nine. Like the, these arcs resolved in such an explosive yeah in way. circus. Yeah, we get Andy oh, Circus in the prison arc. Yeah, let, let, let's take a moment to talk That's about so some of these wild, some of the performances. Yes, just incredible writing of these like side characters that yeah. have like, I mean, just you know, and they're how gone. hard it is to write a, a story of a character that only has like I don't know, 12, 20 minutes of of, of screen time yep. throughout an entire show, like. Andy Serkis, man, like that is one of the most incredible characters like <laughs> Star Wars has ever had. Yeah, you have this. You have this character who is he's introduced as very clearly an antagonist, mm-hmm. and he's the manager of a floor of prisoners, but he himself is a prisoner. And damn straight, yeah, right. Um, and so you you have a little bit of like. I guess sympathy for him because he's kind of in a similar place as as Cassian, but he's like a he's, he's like a really mean guy. He's like a ruthless, you know, floor leader or whatever. Yeah. Then, as you know, the the cracks of this prison operation start to like reveal themselves. He is like 
his whole illusion of reality is is being cracked away as well. Like he he knows like if he's just the best, most efficient floor manager he can be until, you know, 300 days from now when he gets out of here, mm. then you know, he'll be that, that's all he needs to do. And then then he's back to back to the real world. He's home free. But then he starts to see how that might not be a reality. Right. Mm-hmm. And you see him like you because he's such an incredible actor like you see the performance in his face that like he has no idea how to handle this information at the end of the second episode of that arc shattered yeah he's a shattered shattered man until right. you until you know the episode ends with an amazing line cassian had been asking him how many guards there are on every level and uh and that's not something you know andy circus's character like wanted to give up to to cassian and then after he has this realization of like, oh, I'm not getting out of here, he's walking off screen and he says to Andor, "Never more than 12. And he just has this resolve that like, yeah, that he has a new focus of like, okay, I, yep, I'm getting out of here one way or the other. <laughs> he's a rebel now. Yeah, that's a great. A rebel that can't swim. Yeah, and, and that's oh. it's yeah. Well, it's we never saw arc. the body, but yeah, but oh and, my god, and he's like the perfect example for. All these characters in the show, and I wanted to bring up another one from the Aldani arc, Skeen, who's played by, I think, was named Eben, one of the great actors of this, of this year. Yeah, Eben Moss Bakrak. He was in uh, the, the Bear. Bear, and he was in uh, the Punisher before that. Right. But he plays like an inverse of that, where he is in the rebels' position, and then he comes to reveal himself as having ulterior motives, which in this case is just self-preservation, self-selfish motives. Yeah, mm-hmm. if, if you consider self, it is selfish yeah. at its core. But it's like it's he not. He's not steal. a villain. And he's the point to steal money. The point is that these none of these characters, even the people that work in the Empire, are, are two dimensional. And the mm-hmm. best character, my favorite, I don't know if she's my favorite. She's one of my favorite characters, purely for the performance, was Dedra, mm-hmm. uh, who is like middle management. She's in the ISB at the Empire. And she's like a, an intelligence officer. Yeah. yeah, she's like controlling a lot of moving pieces, and she makes it her mission to like hunt down what she has a hunch is like this blooming uh, potential incursion. This like rebel, you know, they don't call it the Rebel Alliance yeah. at this point in time, but it's like yeah. it's a rebellion. And she even as like she would be like the most, uh, in other words, like you know, Palpatine like dark antagonist of the show. Mm-hmm. She even herself has all these these little nuances to her, like why she's she, her own motivations. Like she's just trying to like do her job to the best of her ability. And it's such a fascinating mm-hmm. breakdown of, of all these different perspectives, these dueling, not even dueling, but all the, everyone's coming to this conflict from a different way. Mm-hmm. And they really flesh those people out. And like Bryce said, just a small amount of screen time mm-hmm. in each arc. And there are characters that carry through to the finale. And there are characters that we're probably never going to get to see again. Yeah. I mean, even the, 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 the friend guy, the Scottish-looking guy, uh, Brazo? Brazo? Brazo, the big guy? Yeah, like, <laughs> not somebody you expect to really have an arc. But he also, he's kind of just living his life in a similar way that Andor was. Maybe not as crooky. Crooked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he comes to this similar realization that, like, oh, there's, there's more to this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for this place that I love. Uh, and and that only happens in you know three scenes he has like mm-hmm. a, yeah just a handful but yeah what were you saying about about uh, Daedra 
um, similar to her, Cyril, I think, is... It was some of his scenes earlier on that were, like, that solidified the show as, like, okay, this is so much more than just a Star Wars show. Yeah. <laughs> or what Star Wars shows have been thus far. He he has this great arc in the, in the beginning where, like, he's trying to, like, you know, serve justice. He knows that Andor was the one who killed these two corporate security officers. And, and Cyril goes, he goes around leadership to make sure like he can he can catch this guy and that ends up with like the death of his, like two of his subordinates yeah that really weighs on him and it makes him lose his job and so then we get to this arc of him like on a job search <laughs> something yeah. that i never thought we would ever see in star wars like an unemployed dude <laughs> who has to move back in with his mom yeah. and I, honestly one of the best scenes in the and whole cereal yeah one of the one of the best scenes in the whole show was was in that I think the fourth episode, the beginning of the second arc, where <laughs> he just has a conversation with his mom, about, like yeah. about being unemployed, yeah. mm-hmm. and it, it was just such like a it was such a small intimate moment, but like for yeah. me it was like it was so much more like it was kind of a thirty thousand foot thing where I was like wait a minute like that's just not. I mean, imagine that shit in the Book of Boba Fett. No. Like, there's just... No, people, people don't have mothers in the Book of Boba Fett. People don't have, like, families. They don't have, like, things going on besides the the galactic struggle that they're facing right now mm-hmm. or the planet-wide struggle that they're right. facing right now. Like, these people have small, minute problems like we do, like finding a job. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And being hungry because they're eating a lot in this show more than any other Star Wars thing. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. And it also gave you an, like an impression of how Cyril came to be this person mm-hmm. like with his relationship with his mother. And we don't get background like that in other... Yeah. yeah. Like Boba Fett, why is he this person? He's a warrior. The Mon Mothma storyline mm-hmm. also was crazy from another perspective of like what's going on in the governmental struggle at that time. Um, and what she has to do with her daughter. Yeah. Oh, there's so much that so like be basically being in a cult as well. Well, it's the traditional Ch- Chadrian way. Yeah. I don't, I didn't see so much as culty. It was more of like, this is how they used to do things. And it's something that she's rejected, but I saw it as like, is I well both her and her cousin or sister, the, the, girl yeah the main cousin yeah we're like why is she doing this like as if they didn't want her to be a part of it and uh it seemed kind of culty because they were like chanting something and yeah they they were looking at her through glass like there was a separation of parent and child yeah Yeah. so it to me it was like and then they like you know ended up betrothing her marrying her off which dude that whole thing i was like because mon mothma is like one of the only recognizable Star Wars characters, I guess, besides yeah. Andor, I guess, from Rogue One. But Mon Mothma's been around since... The beginning. I think she's in episode four, right? Yavin? Right? She's I think maybe six. Or six? I, think she's in, I honestly don't really remember. She's in one yeah, of those yeah. two. But she's in she's in ep, one of those episodes as like a very background character, but like known enough to have like a, a name in the Star Wars universe. And so people of... Star Wars fans have always known who she is. And... Then she was recast for episode three and that same actress is playing her here, yeah. which is also crazy. Yeah. And she killed it. Like, yeah, she does. I, I was remarking at how amazing it is that this random actress 
that, that was George very... Lucas cast for Mon Mothma because of her looks. Yeah, really random by all accounts. Yeah, <laughs> like ended up being an She's amazing an extra, basically yeah, in, yeah. in episode three. I know, and, I know, yeah. I know. The Joel um, Edgerton effect. The Joel Edgerton. <laughs> No. Yeah. Too bad he didn't have much to do with Boba Fett. Oh, that was so so unfortunate. Oh my god, biggest biggest waste. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's another thing. But yes, Mon Mothma. She's a very. I mean, she's a main character in this. I'd say she probably is the second most screen time, besides Andor. Yeah, she does um, a lot of yeah. screen time. Uh, because there's basically two storylines going on, right? There's like, in a kind of a third with uh, Luthen, but it, it's kind of like he's Andor's course, thing, and yeah. then there's. You andor you, you basically see from the ground level like this is what happens to a person who will join the rebellion and then you see what it's like to start a rebellion and that's mon mothma and luthan basically more so mon mothma because you, you see these like the dirty sides of it that like well obviously they need money you know like they just orchestrate this huge robbery to steal 80 million dollars from the empire the payroll like that that's what the rebels are doing right now they're stealing money from the empire and that's what mon mothma's entire like goal is and throughout uh, most of the middle of the season is she just needs some fucking money yeah. <laughs> like she she needs a way to like get funds to, to basically like siphon funds from a family account that she can't get access to anymore yeah. like b- b- more or less legally yeah. and and you you kind of you've known her as this sort of altruistic figure who's just like oh yeah she's the head of the rebellion she's like the good mom lady her name even sounds like mom <laughs> and which has to be on purpose <laughs> and um. and now now you see what it takes to be that person she has to put on that face and she's got to put on a, a different face to the senate and to all of the people she entertains at her parties that mm-hmm. like she's just she's just the charitable one you know um, she's just a, a nuisance to yeah. the emperor, you know. Trying to schmooze. Yeah, she's a schmoozer, but she, but you see who she really is. She's very nervous about like if this thing can actually happen, and she doesn't. We don't really even know what her grander scheme is right now. Is she thinking like starting the alliance, the rebel alliance or whatever it is? I don't know at this point. But thinking about how she is in in you know every other Star Wars thing thus far, you also see that she has to put on a face when she's the leader of the rebellion to be this like almost like general leader figure which is very different than the mon mothma we see talking to her mm-hmm. talking to her trandrill and friends trying to get money mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and talking to her her husband and her and her right. daughter right she's a she's a fascinating character yeah yeah she's in i mean aside from the masterful performance of genevieve o'reilly that's the actress's name but i think Mon Mothma's storyline and just like beat for beat or like scene for scene is the epitome. It's like the great example of why this show is so good for me and why the writing from Tony Gilroy and his team is so clever. It's because it's it's all show, don't tell, right? Tony and his team are assuming a level of intelligence from their audience that is unprecedented in Star Wars media, even in like the good stuff. Like for instance, a great scene, and this is particularly like, the first thing I thought of because Steven asked, or I mentioned it to Steven when we were talking about it a few weeks ago, is there's a scene where Mon Mothma is in the car with her husband towards the end of the show and they're flying around mm-hmm. and she is setting him up just for the, like, so that the driver can hear them having this conversation because she knows he's a mole. She's setting him up to take the fall in case they need to have someone for this for 
uh, the money. She yeah. lays the blame on his gambling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is something that can be so easily lost on someone. Like it would seem at just firsthand glance that they're having more marital yeah. problems, but it is such like incredibly clever writing and they don't have to like, you know, strike the yeah. uh, the viewer over the head with what's really happening here. On the nose. Yeah. It's so layered in, like you said. Yeah, it's just it's just good writing. There's there's no yeah. There wasn't a line in the show that was wasted. There's a lot of poetry and flowery prose, but it's always like we have this great monologue from Luthen in the bowels of Coruscant towards the end of the show talking about like his own motives. And it's always such incredible quality of writing, even mm-hmm. the dialogue. Mm-hmm. So Another thing that we, uh, we had talked about previously was like the torture of um, yes, Ooh. one of my favorite things. Because I didn't. You're a big, big torture guy, right? I'm a huge <laughs> torture guy. No, I'm just. We'll kidding. be cutting that one. No, we'll be cutting the whole thing. The whole thing will be cutting. But no, the torture scene is incredible. What are you saying? Oh, Whoa, just just that you. you, you <laughs> I'm had, sorry. This is a genius scene. Let me just gush for a second. You had said that like because I didn't. In underst- show don't tell. I didn't understand what. Kind happening. of torture was happening. Yeah. I said it I, wasn't it the you same thought thing it was a probe droid that they were doing to Princess Leia in episode four, and you're yeah. like, no, no, they explained it, but then they never showed it again. But then you the only effects. see you only see the effects of it yeah. after. Yeah. yeah, it was a form of uh, sonic, like Lovecraft torture, almost. Yeah, it was Lovecraftian. It was like a sonic device that inflicted like psychological or psychic yeah. torture. It's because the sound of like dying, like it was the sound of a dying species, specifically the youth of a dying species, as they are being killed, and so they're playing that in this choral version on a headset that they put on the prisoner, and just the the evil bad scientist guy describes the effect of it. He doesn't describe what you're hearing, but the effect of it is you essentially go insane because the sound of it will drive you insane, and which has it almost like a supernatural or Lovecraftian. You know, yeah. like essence like Clockwork Orange kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just brainwashing. It's it's because like in Clockwork, it was like video feed. You know, over an extended period of time, which has grounds. This it's, actually it's breaks, based in science. Breaks you psychologically. Yeah, but this is just uh, the sound of something, and it wasn't even that long. I think they had the headset on it for a bit. But just just that idea in and of itself is incredible. Yeah. And not it's just it's mature, yes, but it's like so creative, right? It dips mm-hmm. into things that like make me think about like the space whales, the the, the portal traveling space whales and rebels. Oh like, yeah. I, I know you, about, you know about, about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like stuff in the Star Wars canon that like we don't actually get to see fully, but we know exists and they, they play with in a way that, that uh, is very much in the background of of star wars where it's not in your face mm-hmm. and uh it's just remarkable the things they could pull off storytelling wise without ever actually showing some of the things that might other like if you saw a space whale or something you know it might come off as cheesy if it's not done completely correctly yeah. and the fact that these things are just mentioned and then like you get to see parts of it or the effects of it is pretty awesome because you don't actually have to see the thing itself, which is, I don't know, speaks to the uh, the ambiguity of it all in in the best kind of way. It's here. still so cinematic, but it just yeah. it's just good because she she really does look like a different person when yeah. and she doesn't just snap when, back from that. It's not like no, she's yeah. like, she goes from like a ten to like a nine point five. <laughs> no, no, it's not like 
in a movie where you're wounded and then, you know, one scene later you're back, she spends the rest of her time on that show in complete emotional disarray. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best way to, to put, put it. it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> to put She's, it lightly, she is flummoxed. Oh, she is de- She's been rewound. Flabbergasted. What was her name again? Bix. Bix. Yeah. This is the first Star Wars also to ever include like an actual sex scene. Oh, and, yeah. Sex is canon. And then also. Penetration is canon. Also. <laughs> well, there's not a sex scene. There's a implied. Yeah, implied. Implied. Romance. Like the beginning of a sex m- more scene. More than a kiss. Yeah. Um, a seduction. The first time we ever hear, I think, the word shit. Yeah, first bad word. Nice. First bad word. And then also. First piss. Oh, really? First piss? Yeah. First piss. But no, uh, Tony Gilroy said he wrote a line for uh, Marva to say, fuck the Empire. What? And Disney stopped them from doing yeah, it. Yeah, you can't say that. Because she was in the, in the rally moment in episode 12. I would have been she great. Was fuck the to, Empire. Fuck the Empire. <laughs> uh, oh. That would have been amazing. No, that would have fit. That would, she basically did I know, say she that. She did say that. <laughs> like, more or less. <laughs> He's like, how do I write this character saying fuck the Empire without actually saying the word mm. fuck? Anyway, and how great was the music in this show? Can we just say amazing? I was really? like, I, I didn't notice it a lot. Really? Yeah. Well, but there's like, so there's this synth theme, or not theme, maybe, yeah. but that comes in particularly during like the prison arc and other big, yeah. impactful moments in the show. And it was like something I had only heard once before, and it was just in the like the Tales of the Jedi show, and they're using this like, it sounds to me like very Vangelis, very Blade Runner. And yeah. it's just, it really was something new and, and unique that, that really made me smile. Cause I was like, this squeak. We're, we're, yeah, I was squigging. This is, we're really showing the potential of Star Wars, honestly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and moving past the, you know, bombastic orchestral like space opera yeah. thing. Cause that's, that's not what this is. It's right. not a space opera like the movies are, you know? Yeah. And this doesn't have to be like every Star Wars from now on. No, but to see this, no, and, this and it level be, of, but yeah but to be honest it's definitely what i want more of yeah exactly i mean and we we struck on this back like in different different uh star wars discussions <laughs> and i i always agree with you bryce when you're like you're talking about how you can tell so many stories in this galaxy's worth of narrative without involving like the big players right and this was the first time we've seen that, and it was so rewarding mm-hmm. and gratifying as a fan. Because what's what's rewarding about that is you're you're playing with like what the audience knows, you know. And so a lot of the times in the big movies, in the the main trilogies, like the the characters tend to know everything. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're very smart. They have a good grasp of like the way the world works and, and, you know, they discover their own things along the way. But in general, they know close to how much we know. The characters in this show know so much less than us. Yeah. So there's, there's almost a, and what, what would make this different than another, you know, sort of a prestige drama on another that, that doesn't happen to be Star Wars is that like, this is Star Wars. So we have all this knowledge of like where it's going. What, what even happens to Cassian and what happens to the Empire? Where the Empire is at right now? Like where we're coming from uh, with the Republic? Like all, all of this adds to the experience of watching the show. And, and the more you know the, the different 
the more that can add to your experience. But but yeah, but the characters don't know that stuff, which I think is 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 really fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great point too. The fact that this is a prequel and that we know where it's headed, mm-hmm. both with you that know detract from the experience. Though. I know, right? The, the experience, and there's still so much tension, even even in episode per episode, like uh, mm-hmm. arc per arc. There's still like you're wondering how he's going to make it out. What's going to happen to these other characters? It's because the the story isn't about like the way like these huge galaxy changing moments. The story is about what happens to these people. It's, yeah. it's if it was, if the, the if the climax was like something, I don't know, something on on par with like the Death Star blowing up a planet, like yeah. then we wouldn't really care as much because like yeah. the the stakes, yes, they're as high as they could possibly be, but like there's a big difference between you know these these galaxy ending stakes and the stakes of what happens to individual people because those are the stakes that like we can relate to better, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, at a certain point, like. How many Infinity Wars is it going to take for us to like keep caring, you know? <laughs> to get to the center of the Tootsie yeah. Pop. Well, in, in a previous podcast, you have mentioned like the stakes are so high. I think it was in the Rise of Skywalker. Probably Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker one, because yeah. that's definitely... Yeah, and, and, and when the stakes are that high, like it, it almost Obviously makes it... Win, it it just know? dilutes everything, and, yeah. and nothing matters at that point. Because at that point, there's like no chance they yeah. wouldn't win. Yeah. You know, the stakes are so high, but like... Yeah. You you can't have them be that high and have the good guy lose. Yeah, you know, there's every single moment along the way in Andor, the good guys can lose, or the people you're following can lose, and they do lose and uh-huh. are losing and are losing a <laughs> yeah. losing yeah. battle. You know, well, I don't even think we mentioned like late stage capitalism and well, you you hit on the oppression. political discourse, but we actually got a literal anarchist manifesto in this show. How yeah. insane is that for a Disney? Yeah, yeah, service. Yeah. True. Or, I mean, a Disney series on a Disney streaming service. Yeah. Like, literally the antithesis of what <laughs> the Beast has become. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, it's like, it feels it's like ironic. there's some kind of like... It's shocking that it's Disney, honestly. It didn't feel like Disney. It felt like HBO, like you were saying. Earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's just, it's al- it almost leaves a bad taste in the mouth because it's like, they're giving us a little bit. They're giving us something to chew on. Yeah. Just so that, we, you know, they're like, yeah, we know you like this. Just wait for Ahsoka. You like a little anarchy? We'll yeah. give you that. We'll give you a taste. Mm-hmm. So, we, so you don't rise up. <laughs> <laughs> so you Ooh. don't rebel. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, that just think about it. It's painful. Like, think about, I mean, we're getting a little meta now. With our own, a little, with the the way of the way that Disney is now, the way of the water. (laughs) It's so deeply ironic to me and hilarious, but also like amazing. You know that they that they let not only in terms of the quality which we've been talking about, but the content, the the thematic nature of the show, that Tony was able to to write this and release this as it is. It feels like it slipped by. It feels like someone at Disney missed the paper. On that note, though. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it kind of did slip by. Like, viewership was, like, way down with this show compared to the last few Star Wars shows. Yeah. And... Well, it had no lightsabers. It didn't have any lightsabers. But that, I mean, that is almost entirely because they released two really shitty shows <laughs> over the last year. And people are kind of, you know, Star Wars is a little bit uh, diluted right now. And imagine if this show had come out when the Book of Boba Fett did a year ago. How much better would it have been received? The first show yeah. after The Mandalorian. We get this completely different experience 
this just this ground level thing rather than this cameo driven mess that the book of boba fett became well i don't know if i'm getting echo chambered but in, on the internet it seems like word of mouth for andor has gotten uh large to say for the least sure, yeah. and people are people are paying attention now so uh i think word's getting around that uh star wars is back Nobody's listening. But but we also know that no. so much of Star Wars is already being produced. Like Mandalorian season three is coming out next month. Yeah, Ahsoka's following in suit really soon after that, and then the Acolytes being filmed, and they're probably all going to feel a little bit like Mando, not like Andor. And that's the thing is they're yeah. not going to feel like Andor. And if Andor is the new standard. Of like, oh, this Sandor. is this is <laughs> Sandord. Yeah, this is what it could be. Yeah. Like, like, and and these other shows don't, you know, measure up to that. It's going yeah. to be. It'll an, be telling an, anarchy. That's right, and 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 you know, be I mean, I say that based on hy- that. hyperbolic. Well, I think I think the larger brand is still sitting comfortably in like the Mando field is what sure, I'm calling it, sure. which is like, you know, yeah. the, probably what Ahsoka is going to be. I was just that in Galaxy's is, Edge yesterday. Is what it, I'm not, I'm going to correct you there. That is what Ahsoka is going to be. <laughs> well, hopefully not it'll be better. In my mind, the Ahsoka show is going to feel exactly like well, I'm just hoping. Not, I'm just, not in a bad way. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, well, I just don't want it to be like Boba Fett where it was like just Mando. I really hope. Three and a half, that. you know? Yeah. Or just make it, make it her own 2. show. 9. Yeah. And the other shows too. The Daimyo. I don't know. Uh, the last thing I want to say about Andor, I really liked the new droid B two Emo. Oh, he's cute, man. B two. They did a good job. Well, because like out of all the droid, there's so many droids with different personalities in the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and they gave this one like a whole new personality and like a whole new like uh, thing, you know, like an edge that made that separated him from the previous droids. Totally. And never once did I was I like watching scenes with that droid and think like, "Oh, another yeah. you know, old yeah. droid companion." Yeah. No, he's just like a character in the show, you know. He's what like was, a dog. What, what was the JJ Abrams one from Rise of Skywalker that they introduced? I don't even remember. Yeah, it's like what the does it even look like? It's like a green it's like a green wheel with like a head and like a lamp on his, you know. Okay. And and JJ Abrams, I, I really, I, I'm it's ringing a bell. But JJ Abrams voices him. Uh, of course he does. Did he speak English? It yeah, it just talked a little bit. It was like, hey, what 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 what? What? That's so that's so JJ Abrams. Yeah, but it's so JJ. But B two emo or B two emo or whatever his name is, I absolutely loved. I thought he was yeah. great, and he like was around the whole time. He was the one that was projecting Marva's thing oh, in the man. end. So good. Yeah, I just ultimately, I'm just so glad. I, every time I watch this show, every week, I was like, "How the fuck did they do this? Like, hey. how, how did this slip through the cracks?" Like you were saying, how did Disney let this one happen? And <laughs> how did th- it- I think? <laughs> I think you know the good Lord Diego every yeah. day for for this coming to us. Amazing. Um, and, and even it, the, even if are you we talking don't, about Diego. <laughs> Even if we don't, even if we only get a second, I know we'll only get a second season of this, but even if we never get another Star Wars thing like this, I'm so glad. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm so glad this exists. At least we got it. And because this is exactly what I've, I I want. Sure. Exactly what I want to see. Yeah. It's got a lot to say. It would be nice to see Disney. I know that Disney in a, in a, on a larger scale. You just saw Disney, weren't you there the other day? Yeah. <laughs> outside of, outside of Star Wars though, on a larger scale, they are thinking about like appealing to more adult crowds Mm -hmm. like it'd be nice if disney recognized that this was a massive success and like you guys 
did the right thing with this show and they started making more star Wars content mm-hmm. and potentially Marvel content as well. Uh, like this that actually appealed to the adult fans rather than like yeah. appealing to whatever demographic. Cause like one of the, one of the major things that I've heard, one of the biggest complaints of like even Mandalorian is like, who is this for? Like you have these moments of greatness and then you have these moments of like, who, like, where, what's the demographic here? You know? Totally. And, and I felt like yeah. this was so clear, like this demographic. It was a lot more clear who it isn't for. <laughs> honestly like yeah. not not that it's not kid friendly it, it's still like i think yeah. pg right or i don't think even think it's pg-13 i don't know or i guess it's a tv show to even have or yeah. like that yeah but i think kids would find it pretty boring i think it, yeah I, in terms of the way the story is told yes but yeah, oh, not in terms and, of the and then the thing he was making the whole time was the weapon on the death star it wasn't just the death star it was the actual like weapon yeah okay that, Which that is like, i thought was a little bit like i thought that was so cool because i don't know i felt real to me because it's like he's enslaved yeah like for no reason he's on he's on florida planet for some reason and then he's enslaved and then uh he, you don't know what he's making you don't know what they're making the whole time and then they end up not just making like some other part of the death star but like the actual mm-hmm. weapon that ends up destroying I know. I do. I like the irony of that. Yeah, the irony. Yeah. I also, when watching that arc of the of the prison stuff, I liked the idea more that we were never gonna find out what they were making. They're just making. They could have been making nothing. anything. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. literally could have been making scrap. Yeah. But the empire was just forcing. It was just having them do something. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, like, I love that. Um, it never even occurred to me that it whatever could have been the death star oh and it never occurred to me that we'd find out what it was honestly well at least it was just a post-credits scene yeah so that didn't bother me too much the when you bring up the 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 grease planet the uh, florida 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 planet planet. um oh that was i don't really have many complaints about the show but the that was my that my, my my biggest complaint was that the whole arrest yeah it it was super it was out so of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was very quick and um, but definitely the weakest moment of the whole show. Like I get, yeah, you had to get arrested to go to the yeah. prison arc. You know, because he just like it, it. It happened at the end of the episode. He, yeah. You he you it's found like in him the there, last five minutes, and then he got arrested and like it makes more sense in retrospect. It does. I mean, it, it. Yeah, the fact that he got arrested makes sense. Just the way it was handled was. Um, it just didn't seem as like tactful as the rest of the show was, you know. One hundred percent, and I think maybe that was one of the things that maybe was like rushed, being condensed from like a five season arc to a two season arc, you know. Could be, yeah. He, he maybe had more of a storyline on that, yeah, that uh, Greece planet at first. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, on a positive note though, let's end on a positive note. Not Andor. Andor, I'm like, prob- he's just so cute, man. <laughs> he's just so charming. You know, you kind of look like, dude. Oh my god, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He's just, yeah, he's very, he's so charming. And when you see him post about the show on his Instagram, it's like, guys, for the love of God, watch the show <laughs> for him. Do, do it, it, do it for Diego. Do it for Diego. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. You know who did the score? Nicholas Bretel. 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 I love how the, the main theme subtly changes every episode. It did. Mm-hmm. And the logo changed slightly every did episode, it? right? Yeah. I don't know. I usually skip that part. Oh. 
But here at the end, we'll play a song from the score.